has been on display at the Houston Museum of Natural Science since August. We are talking about Lucy. Her bones were discovered in Ethiopia in 1974. Lucy, come home! And are estimated to be more than three million years old. Well, honey, it's a very nice thought, but as usual, you will have no logical explanation for doing it the way you're doing it. There is a lot of excitement tonight in the world of science over a find that scientists are saying walked the Earth more than four million years ago. With my little stick in my highly evolved brain, oh, I shall create Fire. Ardie, who may be our oldest known relative. Her name is Ida. She's 47 million years old. And you're looking at one of our ancestors. She is, according to scientists, a direct relative. Mom! Mommy! Mommy! Mom! Ida and her descendants evolved into humans. Since Darwin, mankind has been looking for the missing link, the primate that's at the root of our creation. And this is she. Two skeletons, almost two million years old, believed to be the link between ancient apes and modern humans. Unearthed in South Africa and revealing traits from the human and animal kingdoms. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. The people say we monkey around. They live at the same time. They died at the same time. They died within minutes, days, hours, or at the very most well, we are told that we are descendants from a slow process over a, a long period of time that we evolved from monkeys or whatever else. Well, that's fine. But where's the evidence? You would think if... if this came from such a long period of time that that evolution takes a, such a long period of time, millions and millions of years, then there should be fossil evidence all over the place of what is sometimes called the missing link, or as we are referring to the fossils, which show this transitive state. So what do you do when you're talking to an evolutionist and uh, he or she makes this claim that we have all kinds of, of examples of what is called missing links. That's the topic of our discussion for today's Table Scraps. We are joined today with Dr. Charles Jackson of Creation Truth Foundation. Dr. Jackson, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Oh, thanks for having me again. Okay, so uh, we're, we're talking about uh, the, this missing link. Tell us, what is a missing link? Well, the word says it's missing. I think that ought to really help clarify the matter. They really don't have any. I was speaking at the, to the Atheist Club at the College of New Jersey a couple of years ago, debating the, uh, the student president of the group, and I had to go easy on him because he's a student, and I like students, but at the end, I didn't want anybody to think that, you know, evolution was right, and he told the audience there were dozens of uh, uh, missing links, and then he spoke for about five minutes after that, and I said, well, now, you know, you just told the group here, an audience of about 100 people, I said that there were dozens. Could you name one? And uh, he went on and said, well, the, the, the literature is just replete with many. I said, well, could you name one? He said, everybody knows, you know, blah, I'm, all the classes, the teachers here, we all know that. It could, well, do any of them have names? Finally, he, he, uh, he looked down. I said, do you know any of the names? He looked down at the floor and he goes, well, Australopithecus africanus, uh, which is the descendant, supposedly, of Lucy. 
And, uh, and I said, okay. And we went with that, and I proved to the audience that was not a candidate for a missing link. And then he said, okay, okay, but something like that was. There was something at the node of the branches of the family tree. And true, this was a dead-end branch, but uh, um, there was something there that was the missing link between Lucy and, and uh, a common ancestor between Lucy and Australopithecus africanus. And I said, okay, we'll name that. And then he couldn't, of course, because that's all fabrication. Now, you... Uh spent a lot of time going to uh, different schools to speaking. In fact, you just got back from a little tour through Illinois. Uh, and tell us about this uh, this visit at St. Ambrose and, and the reception you received at St. Ambrose. Well, yes, uh, that was strange because that's a Christian school. Uh, it was a team of professors that went to the head father. This was a Catholic school. And, I, and you know, the, the website of the school says they're open to all kinds of ideas and thinking and, and stuff. But... Uh, uh, it was a uh, business professor from Sri Lanka who invited me as a strong Christian believer. And uh, he immediately got an email from a music professor saying, why have you invited an anti-intellectual flat earther to our <laughs> campus? Uh, well, this is a Christian school, you know. I mean, I thought Catholics were Christians. That's what they say anyway. And uh, so, but this team of professors went to the head father and said, you must not allow this to happen. You must not. You must prevent it. So eventually, they did not. But but three prof uh, two one. There were three people who came just to spy on me. I think one. I know one was a professor, and they never said a word. But uh, uh, the students were actually instructed not to go, uh, and uh, and that's what happened. But the Quad Cities Creation Science Association came, and uh, these these three spies came, and we did have a very good time. And the the ir irony was the topic was why. Do evolutionists fear and censor debate? <laughs> and, uh, and they wouldn't come, and they wouldn't debate, and they did fear and censor uh, and try to completely have me censored. A censorship is supposed to be a bad word in liberal circles. And I'm sorry, I must call that big capital H hypocrite. So they're, they're kind of proving the point in, in uh, censoring or telling their kids not to go to engage in the conversation at all. Yes, and they, they did succeed in their censorship. I mean, did not succeed in their censorship totally because I did speak on the campus, so I don't have sour grapes about that. I just have sour grapes that they're, well, liars. I mean, that really is a lie to say you're open-minded and then practice such censorship. They'll justify it by saying that, you know, I'm an anti-intellectual, but... I'm in Mensa, and they're probably not. And I have four degrees, and most of them probably only have three. All right, so we're we're sitting in the coffee shop, and uh, we start having a discussion with with uh, um, someone else in the coffee shop, and and we're discussing evolution. And we say, wait a minute, you know, if if evolution is true, where are these fossils? And the person we're talking to says, well, we have all kinds. of One example is Lucy. How do we respond to someone who asserts that Luthi? is a, a missing link, so to speak. Well, all you have to do is, if this person even knows a little, you can just start asking questions, even if you don't know anything. You know enough to ask a question. Well, how? what makes them think Lucy's the missing link? You know, make them, make them put their money where their mouth is here. Make them tell you why. And actually, you can shut down this whole problem here. The man who discovered the Lucy fossil was Dr. Donald Johansson in 1974. But in National Geographic, March of 1996, page 117, Donald Johansson said, Lucy has really been dethroned. And they, they found other fossils that, that in their minds are better missing links. Uh, see, one of the problems is Lucy has a chimp hip. And uh, you, you can't walk like a human with a chimp hip. And as a result of that, 
um, in 2005 in Scientific American, there was an article on page 18 of August 2005, Australopithecus afarensis, and that's Lucy, almost certainly did not walk like us, or by extension, like the hominids at Laetoli. So, I mean, had no arched foot. Uh, the bones in the foot and the hand are arched, curved. You see, uh, I can bend my fingers to make a, a, a grip around something like a tree branch, but between my knuckles, the bones are straight as an arrow, straight as a board, not in a monkey's. In a monkey's, those bones between the knuckles are arched, and that arch is typical of, of monkeys, not in humans at all, never. And Lucy's, Lucy's finger bones and toe bones were more curved than a modern chimpanzee's. This Lucy was three and a half feet tall, 65 pounds, had a brain one-third the size of yours. She was a little monkey. Now, if I were to go to a museum somewhere in the United States and they have an exhibit uh, depicting Lucy, um, especially if, if, if a, a scientist has filled out the gaps of, of what Lucy probably looked like, what would I be looking at in this museum's exhibit? Well, if you were looking at a model or at a, uh, a drawing, a painting, it would be a total imagination. Imagination guided by what evolution hopes uh, the bones looked like with flesh on them. But the reason Lucy was so famous at the time in 1974 was that they found 40% of the bones. Maybe not even that. But that is hugely more than they usually get, 40% uh, of the bones. And when they, when they look at those bones, and they found a few more later that made it look worse and worse, more information is usually bad for evolutionary theory because, uh, as uh, uh, Gary Parker, a well-known creation scientist, says, evolution thrives in the gray areas, thrives in the uncertainties. So more bones that were found. Now, if you look and you see a little Lucy skeleton hanging up in a museum in a glass case, it'll be three and a half feet tall, and all the little black plastic bones are the ones they didn't find, and, and all the little white plastic bones are the ones they did. And you might notice on the right foot of Lucy, there's two little knuckles that are white on the right foot. Those are arched. None of the other bones in the foot will be arched. Mm. As a matter of fact, the very same two bones on the left, uh, uh, on the left foot I say right, it's on her right foot. Uh, the very same bones that are missing on the left foot will also be flat, like a human's. Is it anything to ignore the data and continue to believe, the museum curators will do this to believe. Uh, but for example, uh, the Sam Noble Museum right here in, uh, in uh, uh, Norman, Oklahoma, uh, has the ichthyostega uh, missing, missing link between us and fish. And every single Ichthyostega fossil that's been found since 1999, when they first found the, the fin of it, the flipper of it, has seven bones. But you will see a leg, not a paddle, I and mean, it always has five, five digits. But none of the fossils show that. And every museum display I have seen shows Ichthyostega with five, because that's what we would be required for the evolution story to be true. But the data, absolutely, that is absolutely a lie in every museum, every model, every prefabrication or, or refabrication that is seen because all ichthyostegids have, have seven uh, bones in the paddle, not five digits at the end of the leg. And so they just, it's not that they're liars in this case, they just, they want to believe it so bad, they ignore the data. And that's not the way science is supposed to go. That's, that's, uh, uh, that's religious, that's, that's fanaticism. It's not science. Well, let's uh, listen to an audio clip by the person who found Lucy and uh, hear what he discovered in Ethiopia. I was surveying late one afternoon when we were out collecting some elephant, elephant teeth. And 
I looked down on the ground and found in a couple of pieces this knee joint. At first, I thought it was just from a monkey, maybe a baboon, but it went together in a way that uh, didn't look like any monkey. The knee joint was distinctive. It could be locked straight. This is characteristic of human knees, and it makes it possible for us to walk upright on two legs. No other living primate has a knee joint like this, which led Johansson to conclude that the fossil came from a creature that could walk a lot like us. All right, uh, with the with the chimp hip and the knee joint that can lock, would that be evidence that this is possibly a, a transitional fossil? Well, I was watching the little video clip while you were playing it, and you noticed, although he had the... Uh, the lower bone and the upper bone of the leg, he did not have the kneecap. That was found two and a half kilometers away. Not a real good guarantee at real. And the kneecap was actually, you know, the patella would be important in uh, showing how these things went together. Yeah, uh, they just ignored that. In 1994, 20 years after the, uh, the discovery, uh, Dr. Owen Lovejoy of Kent State University, who is the head of the anthropology department there today, appeared in a PBS Nova series 1994 in search of human origins, where he solved the chimp hip problem with Lucy by, uh, by making a plaster model and then cutting it up in pieces and sanding it down to be the shape he wished it was, and it came, comes out looking exactly like a tiny human hip. You know? But that was, that was because he altered the evidence. He, he tampered with the evidence and then went presto, ta-da, look, this is the answer. Uh, claiming that Lucy, Lucy fell into a, into a watering hole in the ancient tropical African savanna and her, her bones uh, were left as her body parts rotted and, and her hip bone was sticking up out of the water. We only have the left hip of the Lucy fossil and uh, a deer or something stepped on her perfectly human hip and crushed it exactly into the shape of a chimp hip. This is exactly what you will see on the PBS special 1994 PBS Nova special in search of human origins part one where he uh, he explains this theory and man every evolutionist on the planet bought it. They they went you know it, this is this is wishful thinking that's that's not science. I mean Owen Lovejoy is a, a, a very intelligent man a brilliant man probably a good teacher but he wants it to be so true. This is human nature. And scientists who are, are believe in evolution will claim they're purely objective. They're not. They have a religious fervor. They have a fanaticism, which makes them not impartial judges of the information. This sort of, this sort of thing is evidence of that. All right, let's then move from the 70s to the year 2009. Uh, we had this discovery of Artie. And Artie was told to us to be uh, this this fascinating missing link. And, and what's fascinating about this, uh, Dr. Jackson, is whenever these come out, uh, right away, news news uh, anchors and, and, and the media will come out saying, this is the missing link. But when later discovery is revealed, that doesn't quite make it to the headline news. Well, and the negative comments don't make it to the headline news. One of the things about missing links between all the different kinds of living things is that the person who discovers the fossil, like that ichthyostega with the, with the seven bones in the, in the paddle, the person who discovers the fossil will announce to the scientific community, there's a problem with this fossil. I mean, 
this is what the missing link would look like, but what I have discovered, here's the anatomical feature that disqualifies it from actually being the link, but let's keep looking. Now, what happens in the media and what happens even in the journals is everyone throws this person and their fossil on their shoulders and, and screams and hollers and parades them out while they keep shouting, but it's not the missing link. It's not, it's not, but it's not. And no one listens to them and it becomes the missing link. Artipithecus ramidus was discovered back in the 90s, but they hauled it out of a drawer last year in October, made a special issue of Science Magazine all about it, and Dr. Tim White from University of California, Berkeley, last October said, we can't say this species was a direct ancestor of modern humans, so we have to be careful. He also said, this is not that common ancestor, but it's the closest we have ever been able to come. Um, I, I got these things from a science magazine. Um, I got these things from Berkeley's uh, website on the Artie skeleton. Dr. White, the one who put the fossil together, who put it together from 125 bone fragments chosen from 230 pieces in the same fossil bed with an estimated 35 arty individuals plus 50 bird and mammal skeletons all jumbled together. He, he, it was, this is like taking 20 jigsaw puzzles, throwing all the pieces in a big pile together and saying, now you fix it. You know? And that's an amazing feat. I think he put the bones together very well. He was brilliant, but the man who led the team, Dr. Tim White at UCAL Berkeley, said it's not the missing link. And yet everybody, in fact, Dr. Owen Lovejoy, the same guy that tampered with the Lucy fossil, said this reverses the common wisdom of human origins. He says we're going to have to rewrite the textbooks. But you see, he, Owen Lovejoy did not put the fossil together. Tim White did, and he said it's not the missing link. But that voice is being ignored. So that was in the, in the 90s that Artie was found? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Artie right. was originally found... Um, in the 1990s, and I believe they pulled Artie out of a drawer uh, this past year because last year was the 200th anniversary of Darwin's birth. Last year was the 150th anniversary of, of his book, The Origin of the Species. And so, of course, uh, they did that, and that was also the case for Ida. Ida was brought out to be a celebration of the year of Darwin. It was in 1992 that Artie was discovered. 92. Okay, well, let's hear a, a quick news clip about Artie. Nicknamed Ardie, she is the oldest fossil belonging to the human family ever discovered. Writing in the journal Science Today, American and Ethiopian researchers have unveiled 15 years of work on the skeleton, dating from nearer to the time when our ancestors split from chimpanzees than any fossil skeleton found before. What has surprised experts is just how little she resembles an ape. Our science correspondent Tom Clark reports. As soon as scientists discovered the first fragments of this skeleton, they knew she was a human-like ancestor. She had a small furry face and teeth for chewing, not for fighting. But after reconstructing her entire skeleton, they've made a remarkable discovery. They think Ardie stood tall, not very at just over four feet high, but upright nonetheless. So important to find, this fossil had its own press conference in Washington, D.C. today. It is like nothing we have ever seen before. It is not a chimpanzee. It is not a human. It is not something you can go see in the zoo. The only way you can see it is go very deeply into the past, recover its fossils, and then restore them. Well, that uh, report would make it sound like this is a, a sure missing link, uh, standing upright at only four feet tall, but... Uh, Nonetheless, it is a transitive, transitive fossil. 
Well, what, what Tim White said just now was true, that nothing alive today looks like that. But he also said it's just an extinct creature. But he also said it's not the common ancestor of humans and apes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's then, you mentioned uh, Ida. Ida was another one that made big news. Um, what do we know about Ida, and can Ida be uh, so shown as a missing link? Ida is hugely, about 10 times more embarrassing than the Artie uh, thing because there aren't any evolutionists that agree on that, that, that Ida is the missing link. Again, they found this. Uh, Ida was discovered in 1983, studied in 2007, and unveiled to the world a year ago, in May of 2009, uh, as the missing link. Now, later, the scientists who discovered Eta tried to back off on it and say, oh, no, no, uh, it's no one saying it's the missing link. But the book about it is called The Link. The, uh, the uh, TV special on the History Channel is called The Link. The pictures are all labeled The Link. And, uh, and I've got a, a promo photo that I'll, I'll, I'll show to you. This is the big promo photo that was used. Here's little Ida's hand, and look at the shadow under the bones. Oh, it looks like a human hand. Yes, the, it casts the shadow of a human hand. I think they're, <laughs> they're doing more than just insinuating that Ida was the missing link. And yet every educated, informed evolutionist on the planet was horribly, horribly embarrassed but that any of their number would would reveal this as Christopher Beard, a dyed-in-the-wool, really strong evolutionist at Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh, said, I actually don't think it's terribly close to the common ancestral line of monkeys, apes, and people. I'd say it's about as far away as you can get from that line and still be a primate, more like a third cousin, twice removed. It's not a missing link. It's not even terribly close to relative to monkeys, apes, and humans, which is the point they're trying to make. Now, this guy is a total dyed-in-the-wool evolutionist, but... Uh, he, he makes this kind of statement in the New York Times. Now, it's interesting that the per, three of the sci, one of the three scientists that, that uh, uh, perpetrated Eda upon the public was uh, Philip Gingrich. He's the same guy who back in the 1980s uh, perpetrated the Ambulocetus fossil, which means walking whale. And uh, later it was uh, uh, Thewison who, who discovered more of those uh, Ambulocetus fossils and said, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Pakicetus, uh, and it was Pakicetus, which means Pakistan whale. Uh, and uh, he said that it was no more amphibious than a tapir, and so it was not, not really a, a, a whale at all. So, uh, and then Gingrich got involved in this thing just last year. So it's the whole thing. Uh, the evolutionist community has re totally rejected Ida as a missing link. It, it had thumbs on its feet. Uh, none of the other evolutionists are buying this, and yet it made a media blitz totally for the sake of Dar the year of Darwin. Uh, yeah, you don't he quite hear those uh, differing scientific views, even amongst the evolutionist community. Uh, when you hear it on the news, you certainly don't hear that, that scientists uh, think or that scientists uh, are, are split on the issue, but you hear it as a, as a scientific fact that this is the missing link. Oh, yeah, and it's not even a difference of opinion. None of the other evolutionists agree with Jens Franson and Philip Gingrich that this, this was a missing link. They all don't. They're, they're horribly embarrassed. It's, it's like the drunk uncle at a wedding. <laughs> well, let's hear an audio clip about Ida. This is Ida, rather squashed after 47 million years underground, but an extraordinary specimen, so beautifully 
preserved. Often fossil hunters only find scraps of bone and a few teeth, but this specimen is almost complete. And not only can you see the bones, you can even see the outline that shows where the fur on the creature once was. Extraordinary detail. They even used x-ray to examine the contents of the stomach, and they could see that she'd eaten at her last meal some fruit and leaves. And one very interesting discovery was here on the wrist, which is clearly broken. Now, she was a grasping animal. She grasped onto branches with her hands and swung from tree to tree. And perhaps the broken wrist was, was the reason why she didn't survive and fell into this lake and ended up as a fossil that we can study now. The scientists who've been looking at the fossil say there's a mix of characteristics. She looks a little bit uh, like a lemur, but they say she also has more advanced characteristics that you might see in humans today. So is she our direct ancestor? Well, that's something that's going to be debated for some time. The team say she's not perhaps our great-great-great-grandmother, perhaps more of a great-great-great-aunt. Is she a missing link or not? Well, some say she is. Others say that's just a cliche that is barely means anything at all. So that uh, report from BBC, at least, does uh, offer a little bit of uh, skepticism amongst the, the missing link assumption. Um, but still, we hear uh, that this is 47 million years old. Yeah, well, that's that's debatable also. Uh, <laughs> evolutionists all are unanimous about the radiometric dating methods. There is one thing true that she made. She spent half the time talking about how beautifully preserved it is. There's no question that that is a hugely beautifully preserved fossil. We can see the fur. We can find the berries and leaves that were in the stomach. We can see that her, her hand was broken. Uh, it, it's, it's incredibly well preserved. But that's just the point. The information is complete, complete enough to know for certain that it's not a missing link. So uh, if it was incomplete, perhaps Christopher Beard at Carnegie Mellon uh, Museum would have said, allowed for the possibility of it being our missing link ancestor. But because the information was complete, and inf incomplete information is always superior information, uh, it doesn't fit in the evolution story at all. All right, well, the next uh, missing link that... that uh might commonly come up. You're going to have to help me with the pronunciation. Astro You're going to have to help me. Well, does it end with afarensis or, or africanus? Uh, oh, oh, sediba. Yeah, sediba. Oh, yeah, that was the new one. Just last month, Australopithecus sediba. Uh, they admit by the name that this thing is an Australopithecine. Uh, they say it was like 1.9 million years old. Lucy and her kind was... Uh, like uh, uh, 3.2 million years old, and uh, they dated it by several methods, but, uh, well, at least several times by, I think, the same method. Uh, they found this thing in South Africa in a pit in a mine shaft. Uh, just re well, to, actually, it was two years ago. They acted like, just last month, that this is brand new, but if you look at all the reports, they'll admit it was 2008 that this thing was found, and now they're hauling it out, and I think they're hauling out these old things that are, it does take time to, uh, to analyze things, but they'll, the, 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 all the video reports and all act like we knew in, instantly when we saw it what it was. It was the missing link. You know? And uh, well, if they knew instantly, why didn't they say anything? I think they had to get their story straight first, and it took them two years. So they announced this thing just this, in April, and uh, 
it was found at the bottom of a pit with a whole bunch of other different things, like, you know, saber-toothed tiger, you know. It was obviously a pit that these animals fell into. They say they found a female adult, and they found this little little uh, uh, juvenile male, which is what Sediba is. Um, it's an Australopithecine, though, just like Lucy, which means it has all the features of an Australopithecine. It's a, it's a nicely preserved skull. Uh, they haven't shown us the legs yet, but they're saying that the legs were just like ours. And, you know, it's only three and a half feet tall as an adult, but it still walked just like us. And it's the, it's the uh, predecessor uh, to Homo erectus, which is upright walking man, which means, you know, the next one just before us. And a, a glaring uh, point to mention is creation predicts. According to the Bible, on day six of the world, God makes all the land animals. So he makes, he makes uh, uh, whales in, on day five. He, he makes elephants and people on day six, the same day he makes monkeys. But he doesn't make any monkey people. See, this is what the evolutionists are looking for. They're looking for monkey people fossils. According to creation, biblical creation, all you'll ever find is monkeys and people in the bones. No monkey people. See, this is what the evolutionists are constantly looking for. And, I was taught in college that Neanderthal was a monkey person, that Cro-Magnon was a monkey person, that Homo, uh, uh, Homo erectus was a monkey person, that Homo rudolfensis was a monkey person, that Homo heidelbergensis was a monkey person. You see, no one ever hears about Cro-Magnon anymore. They're people. Neanderthals are now classified as Homo sapiens neanderthalensis, not Homo neanderthalensis. They're classified as Homo sapiens, us. And just a year and a half ago, uh, Homo heidelbergensis, Heidelberg man, was reclassified as homo sapiens archaic. So you see more information, more study, more thinking, more thought is being put in. It's the parting of the Red Sea of these fossils is happening. And they're, you know, they're separating a sheep from the goats, or in this case, the man from the monkeys. And uh, their, their evolutionists are finally coming to the conclusion that the whole herd of these things are just people, and another whole herd of them are just monkeys. And the gap that's missing is wider than ever before. And like uh, Donald Johansson said, Lucy's been dethroned in, in uh, favor of Auroran Tugenensis, but that, that's another story. We're told that uh, this, this process of evolution um, is a very slow process occurring over uh, millions of years. Um, if that's true, wouldn't there be just uh, an abundance of these fossils that, that we'd be looking for? I mean, uh, w when we look at these fossils, we, we know that dinosaurs existed. We, we, we know uh, about the, the woolly man. We, we find these fossils. But if, if evolution was such a slow process, there would be a, a huge abundance of these, of these fossils in transition between uh, ape and man. Well, Darwin said in his book, as by this theory, innumerable transitional forms must be found in the, in the geologic strata, but as of yet, they are not forthcoming. He had always hoped they would eventually find the missing links. And in Darwin's day, of course, they were missing, missing. No one even had any guesses. And so uh, they predicted they would find them. But we still call them missing links for a reason. Yeah, you're right. There should be huge numbers of them because it's, it's slow and gradual. And every single little step should be identifiable in the fossil record. In 19, the early 1970s, uh, Niles Eldridge and Stephen Jay Gould came up with a theory to save evolution's face. And that was punctuated equilibrium. What they said was, yeah, these changes did happen, but... The, tr the missing link time in the history of all these creatures, including people, occurred in one little breeding population somewhere where evolution happened really, really fast. So it was just a limited to a little tribe or a little, you know, covey of quail or a little tribe of monkey people. And 
and they're the they lived they did live but they were in a little group that only existed for a brief period of time because a small group and fast evolution and so they'd, they'd just be rare as diamonds to find one but they did live and so that's called punctuated equilibrium which was really the you know dog ate my homework story <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's a convenient theory isn't it well it doesn't mean that the theory couldn't be true but it, it, it's it's it really sounds it's really more of an excuse uh, for not finding fossils. And this is one thing about the evolution theory is they can always make an excuse. The problem with Lucy's uh, direct descendant, uh, she's, uh, she's Australopithecus afarensis, and the next one that comes is Africanus, a million years later in the story, looks more like a monkey than Lucy does. How come? Well, National Geographic just said, well, that's just a time when evolution just went backwards for a million years. What's the problem? You see, so no matter, even, even if the data they dig up is exactly the opposite of what their theory says they ought to find. They still have a dog ate my homework story to make up for that. This shows resilience and stubbornness and dogmaticism, not open-mindedness. The theory and the theoreticians can, uh, can uh, adapt to any find in the fossil record. Even if it's exactly the opposite of what they were hoping to find, they can still make a dog ate my homework story and say, well, see, we're still, we're still on good footing, and they're not. Let's hear uh, one more uh, news clip about this missing link that we're talking about. This new discovery has just been announced in the world-leading academic journal, Science. On August 15, 2008, Professor Berger went to the site. Two skeletons were discovered, almost two million years old, among the most complete ever found. An adult female and teenage male of a species previously unknown to science. We believe this new species may be a direct human ancestor. Although we have discovered other, older species, these often represent lines of development that died out like old branches on a tree. These fossils are part of Africa's rich human heritage for which all humankind can be proud. Indeed, I'm proud to be part of Vitz University and its unparalleled track record in African science. All right, is it possible that we found a, a new species here? Well, we might have found a new species that we didn't know existed that is now extinct, but calling it our, our missing link ancestor, even... That was very impressive. It sounded like they got uh, James Earl Jones, a very authoritative <laughs> voice, you know, like from uh, uh, Star Wars and also, of course, from Hunt for Red October and James Earl Jones. You know, after all, if he says it, it must be true. But he mentions it was 2008, two years ago, and it isn't a new discovery. He mentions that it's a dead branch on the family tree or certainly could be considered a dead branch a dead end in other words it's an extinct monkey it never was it didn't lead to us if it's a dead branch on the family tree it isn't a part of the trunk and it certainly isn't a part of the big branch that would lead to us in the evolution story so it's really hype calling it the missing link they really don't know hey maybe it is but they don't have any proof it is they don't have any evidence that it is only that they want it to be all right, last but not least, let's talk about Homo erectus. Uh, you said this is the, the one right before humans. This is, this is the, uh, the upstanding monkey man. Uh, what do we know about Homo erectus? Well, one of the big problems with Homo erectus 
there's several things that happened. In, uh, in 2007, Newsweek magazine, March 19th, 2007, page 55, says DNA makes clear that Homo erectus was almost certainly a dead end and not, as some scientists had argued, our ancestor. So there's, there, I believe that their method of analyzing the DNA is not terribly good. It's not uh, terribly reliable. Uh, the DNA clock was actually uh, decried by Pam Solt, uh, who spoke at the uh, Sam Noble Museum in, uh, in Noble, Oklahoma. Here I was in the audience, and she talked about the DNA clock method as we know it doesn't tick evenly, regularly, or the same in all species. Well, that doesn't make it sound like something dependable. And, and of course, it isn't. The researchers in the field know this. But uh, the, the journals and the... Uh, the tabloids will report it. So the DNA method that they're using says that Homo erectus isn't our ancestor. That was 2007. Then um, in 2008, um, I'm sorry, 2007 of August, uh, Homo erectus fossils and Homo habilis fossils were found in the same, um, uh, being dated the same by the potassium argon method. And uh, all these problems with uh, Homo erectus came out finally. You see, uh, again, it was, it was uh, 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 the researcher Fred Spohr from University College of London who led that particular research said it was like finding that your grandmother and your great-grandmother were really sisters. You see, because Homo erectus was supposed to have evolved from Homo habilis or a handyman. And when they find them together, <laughs> instead of a million years apart, that causes a problem. Uh, it was a problem for them. They were real worried about it. And another thing was all these Homo erectus skulls that have been found, the females and the males are hugely different. Uh, the female skulls are like half the size of the males, and that's more typical of great apes and other animals, not of humans. I mean, human females are on, on the average are a bit smaller than human males, but not uh, the, the sexual dimorphism is not nearly as pronounced as in great apes, and this darn thing... Uh, had a, a lot of problems. The, all of the erectus skulls were like that, and uh, they were always worried about it, but they never really brought it up. They didn't want to talk about that problem uh, because, they, well, maybe later we'll, uh, we'll look at this. Uh, it says, this, this all has caused researchers to examine 30 other erectus skulls. They hadn't looked carefully enough before to see that there was a distinct difference in males and females. The associated press reported that in on August 9th of 2007. So and there, there are clearly problems, and I didn't just prove that it isn't our ancestor, but by their own research, which they have the funding to do, um, it the, the, the dimorphism between males and females, the fact that it was found in the same strata as its supposed evolutionary ancestor, these are all problems, for, and, and the fact that it's, it's really like a little monkey. Tell us a little bit about Creation Truth Foundation, what you do, and how people can find you. Well, uh, you can just go to creationtruth.com. Uh, that's like one word, creationtruth.com. And uh, we've got blogs there. We keep you up on the recent developments uh, uh, in uh, the world of, uh, of science, when the, in the evolution-creation controversy, when new developments in the world of science occur that have anything to do with this uh, with this conflict of, of ideologies. Uh, we'll report to you on that. You can get on my email list uh, uh, by going to that website and, uh, and looking at points of origins. I always have a blog that appears there, and I'll be doing a video blog 
that's going to probably appear there under uh, at creationtruth.com under uh, blogs, which is in the top menu, and then under Dr. Jackson's blog. And uh, uh, Monday through Friday, I intend to do a little one-minute thing answering questions from students around the country. That's fantastic. We have been talking with Dr. Charles Jackson. He's a director of campus ministry at uh, Creation Truth Foundation. And uh, the Creation Truth Foundation is not run by me. I'm just running the campus ministry. As uh, Dr. G. Thomas Sharp has, uh, you know, is president and founder of Creation Truth Foundation. He began it 20 years ago, based here in uh, in Noble, Oklahoma, and we have a staff that includes uh, workers in uh, in junior high ministry, in uh, elementary ministry, in high school ministry, and and set up and and take down of the dinosaurs. Uh, Creation Truth Foundation is known in the creation science community as having the largest. Uh, traveling creation museum in the world, 40 dinosaur life-size replicas and uh, smaller uh, actual fossils. Even a replica costs $70,000. These these are very nice. As a matter of fact, a local group here in Oklahoma accused Dr. Sharp of having a collection of inflatable dinosaurs. (laughs) Well, what inflatable costs $70,000? These are museum-grade pieces. and uh, and really, it's quite a ministry. I'm I'm pleased and, and honored to be a part of it, and called by God to uh, to add add uh, his his blessing through me in this in this work that we're doing, and on a team of people who are standing against the world, in uh, in ration, reason, logic, and yes, in scripture. Maybe you could uh, borrow that reporter to blow some hot air into the into the inflatable dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, very good, Evan. Very good. <laughs> All right, we've been talking to Dr. Charles Jackson. Thank you for being on the show. Welcome. I appreciate it. You know, there's uh, something specific being attacked here when we discuss evolution. For the Bible clearly teaches that God created everything in six days. Yeah, it's right there in the Bible. A day is a day, and you really have to do some some hard work to try and convince someone that this day is not really a day. But whether these people who make claims of of, of missing links is aware of that or not, they, they are, in fact, trying to convince you that the Bible is not true. And if they can convince you that a day doesn't mean a day, then they, maybe they can convince you that the forgiveness of sins isn't really forgiveness of sins, or that the death on the cross isn't really the death on the cross, or that the resurrection isn't a real resurrection. The case for a literal six-day creation is nothing other than the case for the Bible, that we can trust God's word because the apostles bear witness to the resurrection, and Jesus did what he said he was, he was going to do, rise from the dead. And he's the one who validated the rest of the scripture. But namely, he is the one who rose from the dead after dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world so that we may have forgiveness, so that we who, who continually sin against his word, his true and valid word, who are deserving of, of, of wrath and, 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 and torment and hell, do not receive that torment which, which we deserve. For that torment was taken upon Christ on the cross. And that is the, the, the forgiveness which we have. The, the substitution that Jesus died on the cross, uh, his righteousness is now transferred to us because our sinfulness was transferred to him on the cross. And that is the message of the Bible which we uphold. And we will not lay down the, the authority of the scriptures because uh, people have, have discovered some bones and they claim to be a missing link. 
Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio and this edition of Table Scraps with Dr. Jackson. And don't forget to tune in again next time here on tabletalkradio.org.